Welcome, everybody. And right now, we just want to introduce our speaker of the hour, our dear brother, Lacey Jones. He is the pastor of Roundo Baptist Church in Darlington, South Carolina. He has a wife and three children, and he has been a blessing to this church. He is a good friend of our pastor, his little brother, as they like to call him. We just thank him for taking the time to come and, and share with us the Word of God this morning. If you would, just give him a round of applause this morning as he comes forth. Pastor Lacey Jones. to forgive me I am a radical praiser and I believe one of the reasons we come together joy on Sunday morning is to be radically praising God together amen 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 how many know that God is worthy of praise come on don't fool me how many people God has been good to you this week come on how many people God has been good to this week people God's been good to on the way to church this morning. Come on, somebody. The old folk used to say, when I look back over my life and I think things over, hallelujah, somebody needs to look back this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, don't y'all get me started in here today because God has been good. He's worthy of praise. All the time, God is good and he's worthy of praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's, it's not cliche for me. God is good. He's more than good. Hallelujah. I, I was thinking... of God over these last couple of months, over these last couple of years as COVID has just run rush out all over our country, all over the world even. But God. Yes! But God. I give God praise this morning because I've had two children that tested positive for COVID. One of them tested positive twice. But God kept them. I had a mother that was sick with COVID, but God kept them. Hallelujah. Being in the house with our children, nor me, nor my wife came, got sick either time. What am I doing? I'm just telling you, we got a reason to, to give God praise. Two nights ago, the, the snow started falling and temperatures started dropping. And in the middle of the night, Sister Angela, Brother Jay, I was sleeping. I heard something sound like a train was coming through the house. 
And I, it woke me up out of my sleep. It was so loud. And it was my air conditioning unit outside just rattling, just going crazy. Somebody might look at that and, and, and throw a fit and, and have a temper tantrum and say, Lord, why now during the coldest night of the year? But I, I gave him praise because I was able to go to the fireplace and turn it on. I, 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 I gave him praise because even if we had to get in one corner of the house and put on four blankets, at least I had a roof over my head. At least I had some place to call home. I'm telling you right now, I look for reasons to give God praise. I look for reasons to say, Lord, I thank you. I look for reasons to say, God, you're good and you're greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible said that the angels would be from one side of the room to the other side of the room shouting back to one another, he's holy. He's holy. He's holy. Great and mighty is God. Brother, I believe one of the reasons we come to church is that we can draw a line down the middle of the room and the people of God from this side begin to shout to the people of God on this side, looking back towards one another saying, he's holy. He's holy. Holy is our God. He's worthy of, I dare the assembly right now to find you a praise partner, to find you somebody that you can look at and declare unto that person that God is good. Come on, church. I dare you to find somebody. I dare this side to look at this side and this side to look at this side and begin to declare that God is good and worthy of praise and worthy. Hallelujah, thank you, God. Hallelujah, thank you, God. Oh, I'm trying to make you uncomfortable this morning. I'm trying to bring the church into a place where we magnify it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, as you remain standing, grab your sword with me real quick. Let's go to Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 56. Before we read that word, can you help me just give God praise for Pastor Andrew, for Pastor Ross? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I bless the Lord that he trusts me enough, trusts the God in me enough to have me to come in and, and minister in his absence. I, I count that as high privilege. And just in case you didn't know it, I love you guys. You guys are my family. I hold you in my heart. And I'm very grateful to be here today. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's go to the word here. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 56. I, I'm going to read from the NIV, but any version will do. Hallelujah. That's Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Praise God. Not unless I've messed it up. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 and 56. If you got it, say amen. You need a second, say hold up, big man. Hallelujah. Let's read. They'll get it together back there in a second if you got your Bible. Let's read. And it says, and when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this moment in time. I thank you, Lord God, that this morning didn't catch you by surprise. In fact, I believe that me being here and this great assembly of people being here was certainly in your plan. So I just want to thank you, Lord God, for enabling us to make it here together this morning. Have your way, Lord God. Prepare my heart and my mind, my mouth, Lord God, to deliver whatever it is that you would have this church to hear this morning. And then, Father, I pray for the 
mind and the ears of those that will receive the word. May the Holy Spirit be activated in me and activated in them that your words may be rightly divided and that those that sit under the sound of my voice may hear in the manner in which you intend for them to hear. Be thy glorified, God. Be thy glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 One more time, give the Lord a shout of praise. He's worthy. All right. This morning, I'm, I'm very uh, intent on giving birth to this word. Uh, and I, I want to be very specific. I, I want to be on target. I don't want to miss the mark. I want you to understand why I'm here today. And I'm here today to call you up. And if there's one sitting underneath my voice this morning that thinks that you are as up as you can be, I want you to look at somebody and tell them, say, you're not. Even if you're at the top, I want you to tell your neighbor you can go higher. Hallelujah. You can go higher today. I'm, I'm here today with an urgent clarion call for the church that the urgency and the intensity of who we are in Christ has to be turned up. I'm here to declare this morning that just in case you've been dozing or asleep for some apparent reason to understand that our enemy is already up. He's already in your business. He's already in my business. And he's been since the beginning of time trying to upset the plan of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But how many know today, regardless of how late he stays up at night, regardless of, of how much he tries to to come into our little sandbox and turn our toys upside down, I have already read the end of the story. And the people of God will win and God will be glorified. Come on, if there's somebody in here today that already understands that with me, you ought to give God praise that there is absolutely nothing Satan can do to stop God from being magnified and glorified. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So why is the call urgent? Even though God is going to be glorified, I don't want you and I to miss the opportunity for him to be glorified through us. It has been said that this generation of people that are coming forth now knows less about Jesus than any generation known to mankind. That alone should break somebody's heart. That there's a generation that's among us right now. Not only they don't know Jesus, they're not trying to know him. That is the direct reflection of what the church is doing. Of how effective the church is being of how well we're walking in the things that God has called us to walk in. It is not a reflection of how pretty our building looks. It's not a reflection of how many programs we can have. Because we got nice buildings. And we got all kind of shining lights, camera, and action programs. But are we walking in purpose? Are we successfully walking in the will of God for our lives. I've been on a soapbox here lately with my church and with everyone who listened. We just got through with a three-week, maybe even three-and-a-half to four-week series talking about kingdom elevation or kingdom promotion. What is kingdom promotion? Kingdom promotion is to be elevated or lifted up in the eyes of God. To make my life fit, that God may see me and deem me worthy 
to walk in the most elevated levels of faith to bring honor and glory to his name. Many are called, but a few are chosen. I need you to understand that it ought to be the desire of every man, woman, and child in this church to be chosen. I want God to look at my life and deem the way that I am living my life to be worthy to serve him at the most elevated level possible. There once was a day and a time in your life to where it was tolerable for the kingdom for you just to come to church and be satisfied with being here. To come and pull up and have a seat at the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and eat, eat, eat and be full. But as we look through the spiritual eye this morning, we see that many of us have eaten and eaten and eaten and we hadn't walked out the word. So in the eyesight of the Father, we are spiritually obese. I said we are spiritually obese. Hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. Those who are fed the good word of God, but not applying it to our life that we may produce fruit that will remain. Because that's what the word calls it. The word says that we are supposed to produce fruit that will remain. How many people want God to use their life for full glory? Come on, don't play with me. Let's, let's get serious about it in here. How many people want that? How many people want God to look at your life and be able to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant? How many people want God to be able to look at you and say, you've been faithful over a few things? I mean, how many people under the sound of my voice want to be exactly who God created you to be? Because I came with a message this morning. I need you to understand that you're powerful in the eyesight of God. I need you to understand that your life matters to God. I need you to understand today that God created you with a specific purpose in mind. And there's not anybody that can do it like you can do it. And if God is to be overly glorified, if he is to be rightly magnified in the earth, you and I, every single one of us got to do what God has called us to do. Church, this is about us being edified that we might bust through those doors and make an imprint for the kingdom of heaven. This ain't about your preferences. This ain't about what you want to see happen in here. This is about the voice of God infiltrating your mind and your heart that you might walk with power when you get on the outside. To be a part of God's church is the most distinguished privilege on the face of the planet. To say, I am a child of the most high God is better than being a president. It's better than being CEO. It's better than being a millionaire. To be the part of God's church is the greatest thing you could ever say. I said the church is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. Hallelujah. God, through Jesus and 12, turned the whole world upside down through the power of the church. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, God. I want to ask you a question. Are, are, are you proud to be a part of God's church? Is it a privilege to be a part of the army of the most high God? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. It is the most distinguished group of people on the planet. Hallelujah. We have power and authority. It was given to us by Jesus who rocked the world when they crucified him on the cross. Talked about him as he hung and died. Stuffed him in a grave. But I heard my grandmama say on the third day, he got up with all power in his hand. And then he didn't stop there, sister. He gave it to the church. That's what the Bible said. The Bible said he, had, he got up with all power in his hand. And then he gave the power and authority that he had to the church as we make him the head of our life. 
Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, you matter. I want to talk to you this morning about a brother named Stephen. And Stephen, in most of our eyes, is a very ordinary person. They chose him to do some things that some of the apostles weren't able to do because of their calling. But the Bible says of Stephen that he was one that walked with power. That he was one that operated and functioned in God's great grace. That when he moved and you saw the effects of his ministry, you would be blown away because they were done with great power, with great authority. And it says in Acts chapter 6, with signs and wonders. With signs and wonders. God's grace, God's power, signs and wonders. God's grace, God's power, signs. And wonders. I believe God is still looking for a church who ain't worrying about the title that can walk in his grace, his power, signs, and wonders. I believe that God is still calling upon a church that can pray for the sick and they be healed. I believe that God is still looking for a church that can minister by word to their neighbor and take even what the world would call the lowest of people who have been sinning their whole life and infiltrate their hearts and their mind with the gospel of Jesus Christ and see the signs and wonders of a miracle of a man who was once headed to hell but now confessing Jesus Christ. A church that can go out into a dark and in an evil land and be a beacon of light in darkness. And have the world experience your light and be drawn to it. This morning, are you a regular church member? Or is your passion for God intense? Are you just here so you can check Sunday morning off of your list? Or are you here for a refueling that you can go back out into the street and do harm to the kingdom of darkness? I need somebody to hear me this morning because there's some of us who, who do church like a thing, Davian, we can check off. Like, I know I'm a Christian, and I know I, I've been in church my whole life, so something don't feel right when I don't go to church on Sunday morning. So I'm just going to get up, and I'm going to go down to the assembly, and I'm going to dress up, and I'm going to put on my good weave, right? I'm going to put on that, 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 that weave from the good store, and I'm going to get that thing tight, right? I'm going to shine up my Stacey Adams good and, good and shine so that I can come down to the church, and I'm going to sit in the same seat that I sit in every Sunday because I want everybody to know I was here today, and I'm a good little Christian. I, I don't want to talk to y'all. I want to talk to a few people that are here today because you're sick and tired of the enemy being glorified here in the earth. You're sick and tired of losing loved ones that you don't know for sure whether or not they're going to go to heaven. I want to talk to the people who are sick and tired of Christianity becoming the minority religion in America. I want to talk to some people who want God to be glorified and magnified in your life. Where are you at in this church today? I want to be refueled. I want to be responsible for bringing forth casualties to the kingdom of darkness. I want to be like David. I want to cut off Goliath's head and I want to bring it back to the camp to show everybody else that I killed Goliath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stephen was that dude. Hallelujah. Bless your name, God. I got it. This suit ain't that tight today. I lost a little bit of weight, so I went over. Stephen was that dude. He wasn't a title seeker. He didn't care nothing about lights, camera, action. He just wanted to be used by God. And he was able to be used by God even when he was surrounded by evil. 
especially when he was surrounded by evil. And as I stand here and minister to you this morning, when you leave out this church, you too will be surrounded by evil. You'll be surrounded by a people whom have been infiltrated with the influence of Satan. I need you to hear me well because I'm not calling those people bad people. It's just that everybody is not like you and I who know that we need to live our lives to the glory of God. And so we'll leave here and we'll enter into a society that is full of darkness. Into a society to where evil is all around us. And so there's some of us in God's house that because of the current state of our society, we will become influenced by the darkness. But if I am in Christ and walking in such a way that I want to please God to the fullest, my light must be to influence their darkness. And not the darkness influencing me. The whole point of light is to do away with and dispel the darkness. Now watch this. How many people can raise your hand this morning and say that the world is full of darkness? Come on, lift your hands if you agree with me. That is an indictment upon the church. How can the world be full of darkness while at the same time be full of Christians? So it means that we have to begin to apply what we learn here and that we have to begin to be very intentional and passionate about the gospel, about living in such a way to where our lives can make a difference here in the earth, unfazed by the distractions of the world. Stephen was a man that was unfazed by the distractions of evil. The Bible teaches us that he was out and about, glorifying God through signs and wonders and through power and authority. And in his moving and in his activity, the Sanhedrin and the people around him were disturbed. How many know that when you move for God and when you begin to do things for the glory of God, you're going to disturb the enemy? If you're comfortable in your little padded pew Christian life, and there's no devils coming after you, you know for sure that you are not making an impact for the kingdom of glory. Come on, I need to talk to some real people this morning. If, if you're on your job and you're trying to figure out why they're always coming for you, I'm going to tell you why they're coming for you because the Bible prophesied that they will hate you because of the God that is on in the inside of you. It, it, it doesn't matter. You, you could be their best friend. It doesn't matter. You could jump through hoops. It doesn't matter. You could show up to work first every day. It don't matter. You could stay late. You could be the one with all the wisdom on, on, on the inside of your mind. But if you have God operating and functioning on the inside of you and you are walking in a way that pleases him, you're always going to run into a hater. The hater... Is by design that their influence might pull me and you out of Christian character, but more importantly, out of our godly design. That we might be pulled away from the path that God has called us to, to bring glory and honor to his name. Are you hearing me? Come on, church, are you hearing me? So we have to be mindful that although we exist in darkness, that God expects for us to walk worthy of our calling in the midst of the evil. That the assignment of our life 
works best even when evil is all around. The Bible said Stephen was doing his thing to glorify God. And the haters started lying on him. They brought him before the Sanhedrin with a trumped up charge. They brought him before the court system to accuse him of what he didn't do. They set him down in front of the Sanhedrin and they asked him, are these things true that they say about you? But the Bible said Stephen looked at him and began to tell them everything that God had done on the earth that he could possibly conjure up. The whole chapter of Acts chapter 7 is just about Stephen reading them the riot act. Basically about God's plan for the earth. No, 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 no. I need y'all to get this. Because I need you to see this. Stephen was surrounded by evil. The people were gnashing their teeth, pointing their finger, working out lies against him, spitting venom at him, and Stephen held his ground. <laughs> Who am I talking to this morning? I, I, I need you to understand that when God designed you, when he created you, he created you with your current circumstance in mind. I, 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 I know everybody, everybody's not going to get this. Some of y'all, this word's going to be good next year. Some of y'all, this word's going to be good next week. So, so, some of y'all later on in life, this word, but there's a few people I know because God sent me here right now who's surrounded by evil. Come on, I need y'all to talk at me just, just, just real quick. Who, who, who feel like that there's evil on the north, the south, there's evil coming from the east and the west. Sometimes you wake up and feel like everything that is negative, everything that is contrary to what you saw, thought that God would have you doing in this season is closing. Who am I talking to in this church today that's in the midst of a season of darkness? I need you to understand, I came to encourage you this morning that God designed you for this. Matter of fact, I want you to turn to somebody. You don't know what your neighbor's going through. And I want you to tell your neighbor this morning, God designed you for this. Come on, come on. I, I want you to tell your neighbor, say, God designed you for this. He created you with this moment in mind. He created you with, with this situation in mind. He created you to work on the job that you're working on. He created you to be married to the person you're married to. He created you to raise those children that you're currently raising. He created you to live where you live. He created you to be present right now. God wasn't asleep. He wasn't informed about the day that you would exist here in the earth. And I'm here to tell you, he will put no more on you than you can bear. And right in the midst of hate, right in the midst of gnashing of teeth, right in the midst of the enemy working out his plan in your life, look at somebody and say, stay focused. Stay focused. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, God will be glorified in your life and he had to put you in this spot that his glory might be magnified through your life. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you know that God was creating a platform for glory for your life? I need to tell somebody this morning, did you know that when God thought about being glorified in your life, that he actually strategically created a platform for his glory in your life. In other words, where I am standing is a platform. They designed the church that the one speaking might be elevated so that those watching and listening can see. <laughs> 
Now, here's what you got to understand. That God's number one agenda in your life is to be glorified. Like man, like man, where you at? Like man, can you dim the lights and put the spotlight on me? Can you cut off all the lights? Because I need you to understand what your trouble is doing in your life. I need you to understand that God designed trouble to be a spotlight on you that he might be glorified through you. There you go. Hallelujah. I, I know we got to get used to this impromptu teaching here. There we go. There's a spotlight. Now, I don't care who, where you are in this church. When all the lights went out, your eyes automatically was drawn to wherever the spotlight was pointing to. I, I don't care if you're sitting over here, you're sitting up there, you're sitting over here. You can't help it automatically because the room is filled with darkness. <laughs> but the attention will be where the spotlight is. And so some of you sitting in the congregation right now going through what you've been going through and you've been saying out loud, Lord, why me? Lord, why did, this, did you allow this to happen to me? Lord, why am I going through this? Well, I'll tell you why. The thing that you're going through is serving as your spotlight. It's, it's, it's where God would want it. He wants all attention and all focus on you. And it's not so that your neighbor can laugh at you. It's not so that he can say, oh, look how they're going through this and going through that. No, the spotlight is on you because God says in just a little while, I'm going to step through in your life and I'm going to show off and I'm going to show out and the whole world is going to know that I am God through you. Come on, turn the lights back on. I want everybody in here to praise God right now for your spotlight. Somebody give God praise for your spotlight. Somebody say, thank you, Lord God, that I was afflicted. Thank you, Lord God, that I have a burden. Thank you, Lord God, that I'm going through this or that because I know with confidence you're going to glorify yourself through me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus had a spotlight. Jesus had a spotlight. They put a cross on his back. They gave him a path up Calvary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they put that cross on that back and they, they whipped him with a cat of nine tails and he had to go up Calvary's cross and they put him on, on, on Calvary's hill and they put him on the cross and everybody that walked by laughed at him and they talked about him and they put a thorn, a crown of thorns on his head and they, and they jabbed him in his side and they said look at him, if you're the king why don't you come down and save yourself what kind of king allows himself to be crucified then they allowed him to die, and they pulled him down, and they put him in the grave. And they watched. Look at your neighbor and say, lights, camera, action. And can you hear the voice of the one that found the tomb? He is not here. <laughs> he is not here. He has risen. Watch this. Just like he said he would. You are Christians created in the image of God to function like him. Your path is similar to his path. You have a spotlight that God might be glorified. Stephen was there and he had just aggravated everybody in his community. But instead of tuck-tailing and running, instead of becoming silent, instead of waiting on better days to glorify God, he was one that knew that God didn't create me for later. He created me for now. Between economic hardships, 
between COVID-19, between White House drama, social injustices. I want you to know, church, God didn't call you for later. He called you for now. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Your time is now. Stephen did what the Lord called him to do. Now watch this. The Bible said that after he finished telling them everything he had to tell them, that they became indignant. They became angry. And they began to rush upon him. But here, this scripture blesses me so much, Angela. The Bible says that when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen lived his life to the fullest potential of God. And here's how. I'm going to give you this and then I'm done. One, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I'm going to say that again. He was full of the Holy Spirit. We come to church, we sing our songs, we are in attendance. But are we full of the Holy Spirit? We put the cross around our neck. Some of us tattoo it on our body. We got a big old Bible sitting on the coffee table at the house. Y'all know that big one. But are we full of the Holy Spirit? In other words, it's the Spirit of God completely at capacity from the crown of our head to the sole of our feet. I want to ask you a question. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, pastor. How do you know? Are you still cussing the lady out behind the counter at the restaurant? Are you still driving in road rage because somebody cut you off? Are you still entrenched in that argument with your spouse, even though you can hear God saying enough? I want to ask you the question. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Are you still saying, yeah, God, I hear you, but I'll do it tomorrow? Are you still questioning the things, the very thing that God has called you to do and be in your life? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? I'm talking about this morning glorifying God to the max. I'm talking about this morning maximizing the potential that God created you with. And I'm telling you today that there is no way possible that you can bring full glory to God in the earth except you be full of the Holy Spirit. Let's make it plain. When I say full of the Holy Spirit, let's let's say it this way. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to peel you like an onion? Are you listening to the still small voice that whispers to you when you're doing wrong, but God is still hoping that you'll come to be the person that will do better and do right? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to mold you and make you? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit right now here in this church as your eyelids are getting heavy and you want to go to sleep, but God is saying, no, you stayed up for the football game. Listen to the word of God. Oh, I see you. I see you. You know, the greatest position in the church is the pastor standing up here seeing everybody. Come on, somebody. You Look at his neighbor and say, you're sleeping because you, you, you need to be filled. Don't, don't talk to me about what you should be preaching better. No, in the Bible, they would just stand up and read the scripture and they wouldn't even have no chair and they'd just be standing there listening to the word of God. Are you full 
of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, watch this, is thirsty for more word. The Holy Spirit wants to know more about what God wants. The Holy Spirit wants more word. You can, you can just sit here and read me the scripture and I'm being blessed. You ain't got to hoop me. You ain't got to holler me. You ain't got to scream. Give me the word. Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Full glory to God through Stephen's life. And the Bible cites him as one who is full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move on to the second point, but I need you to understand something. You need to begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. That you might overflow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. When my brother's up here playing and the praise team is, is singing, uh, part of your activity in the congregation should be to lift up your hands and say, God, I want more of you, God. I want you to fill me to the top until I overflow. I, I want Holy Spirit to overflow in me. I don't want there to be no room for doubt, no room for fear, no room for pride, no room to be puffed up. But I want more of you, God. Fill me with your spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. And secondly, it says here of Stephen, he looked towards heaven. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of evil, in the midst of teeth gnashing, in the midst of his accuser, in the midst of them trying to kill him, in the midst of the darkest day of his life, the Bible said he looked towards heaven. And I'm going to tell you today, if the church is to come full throttle, if the church is to be all that God has called us to be, there's a lot that's going and coming to distract us on the outside. You and I have to be individuals that always continuously look towards heaven. I need you to understand something. Satan is very slick. He is very smooth and he knows how to distract you. But God is calling us to be like Stephen and look towards heaven. There's Facebook. There's Instagram. There's Twitter. There's some of everything. Let me tell y'all something. I ain't seen the most silliness that I have ever seen in my life on that TikTok. It's one silly, stupid, dumb activity after another. And I sit in my house and I say, God, what is going on? People are doing the dumbest thing. You can literally get on TikTok and peel a banana and get one million views. And I'm sitting here going, why would one million people sit in front of their phone and their laptop and watch somebody peel a banana? Look at somebody and say distraction. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many people, don't raise your hand, but just mm-hmm in the spirit. How many people, before you pray, before you get up and brush your teeth, grab your phone and get on social media in the morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see the hands in the spirit say, yes, pastor. Look at somebody and say, distraction. We spend more time doing this. The strongest muscle in our body right now is our thumb. Distraction. Idle time. The Bible teaches us to redeem the time. But we have become so comfortable in our salvation that we spend countless numbers of hours every single day being idle. Distraction. Distraction will pull you all to your purpose. God has called you a royal priesthood. God, God has deemed you to be a mighty army. And we're spending all of our time filling our minds and our ears and our hearts with stuff that don't amount to anything. Things that are empty, things that are vain. And the problem with the saturation of social media, the saturation of TV, the saturation of your hobbies, of taking your children to the ball games, that's all you're thinking about. The recital, the basketball game, the football game. And all of these things, albeit they have a place, have become our little gods. And now we're solely solely focused upon those things. I shared with the online church this morning that I ran up into an older friend of mine, very seasoned woman of God. And she had recently, recently lost her husband. And I was seeing her for the first time. But she said something to me that, was, that blessed me so when I walked away from that conversation. I drove all the way home thinking about it. She said, Pastor Lacey, my heart hurt when my husband died. She said, but the Lord revealed something to me. She said, my husband was in my spirit. And I was like, what do you mean? 
She said, he had become so entrenched in who I am that I would often serve him as opposed to serving God. Putting him before God. Is your children in your spirit? Are your spouses in your spirit? Is your job in your spirit? Is your hobby in your spirit? Is your desire to be an entrepreneur in your spirit? I can't be fully maximizing my potential in God unless he is the head of my life. And I'm not allowing things to distract me. Come on, I'm getting ready to let y'all go, but, but I, I need to make sure that we break the levy of this message in your heart. Because I'm talking from a very real place. I was just sitting down at a basketball game on last night. My son plays for Coca University, and I have spent so much of my life trying to get him to that point. AAU, thousands of dollars every summer, traveling up and down the road, back and forth from Charleston, Charlotte, the different places, investing all this money, all this time, becoming so intense about making sure that he has every opportunity to play at the next level. And I found myself there last night watching his game and being so mad. That my neck began to hurt, my chest began to tighten, and I got a headache. And it was so bad that when I got in the car, driving home, I couldn't even begin to focus on this word for the day. Because I was so mad. And the Holy Spirit said to me, distracted. You have been so worried about your son and so intentional about your son that you forgot that I'm in control. Distracted. Distracted. But the Bible said he looked towards heaven. He was focused on heaven. He was focused that I'm only here temporarily. Oh, praise God. Don't talk to your neighbor. Talk to yourself. Say you're only here for a minute. The Bible declares that your life is but a vapor. Y'all know what a vapor is? You ever turn on the grits pot and then go in there and start doing something else in the other room and 10 minutes later you done burnt the whole pot up. Now it was full of water but you left it for a few minutes and what happened? The heat caused the water to boil and then it all, watch, vaporized. That's your life in the earth. Your life is but a vapor. Why is that important, Joy? It's important because God says, how foolish would it be to live for the vapor as opposed to living for eternity? Lastly and finally, first, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He looked upon Jesus. He looked upon the heavens, excuse me. And finally, he saw Jesus standing. That's a revelation. How in the world, in the midst of the greatest drama in his life, could he look up and see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father? Who? that's a word for somebody this morning. You're going through a lot, I get it. Some of you got loved ones sick. Some of you are in economic difficulties. Some of us got health issues ourselves. Some of us got children that are acting out. Some of us have school problems. If we were to get a blackboard and begin to write the issues that are dominating people's lives, we would use up the rest of our time writing. But I want to tell you today that the expectation of the Father is to continue to walk in your calling despite what is surrounding you. How do I do that, Pastor? I have to be full of the Holy Spirit. I have to be willing to live a life free from distractions. And I must always, watch this, see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. 
in the position of being God. In the position of having all authority in his hands. In the position of power. I'm not going to lose my head now. I'm not going to go crazy and cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs now. Why? Because God is in control. Church, please know that God is in control. Whatever it is that you're up against, God is in control. Through sickness, through financial difficulties, through hate, through an attack, God is in control. And I don't have to worry about what's happening to my life next because God is in control. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because God is in control. When I realize that he's in control, I don't have to put my hands up to fight. I can put them down and walk. How? How did the church get to the place to where Christianity has become down here? We're not walking anymore. We're doing this. Everybody in their own little circle fighting the darkness of their day. Now, as long as I'm fighting the darkness of my day, I can't serve the purpose of my life. All the stuff we're dealing with. Husband, husband, husband. Yes, you are the provider, but you are the provider under God. Put your hands down. Woman of God, you've been trying to, to raise those kids and you've been fighting the different things with house and husband and put your hands down. God made you. He knows all about you. He'll fight your battles. See, the devil is so slick with those distractions. You won't even know that you're distracted till the distraction is gone. You'll wake up and you'll say, I was distracted. 70 years old. And the thing that God has made you, 80 years old, 90 years old, and the thing he called you to do, you ain't never even did it yet because you lived your whole life distracted. Oh, Lord, I'm 40 and I ain't married yet. Distracted. I thought by now I'd have the doctorate degree and the master's degree. Oh, Lord, I got to go and go back to school again. I'm, I'm only 101, but I'm going to go back to school again. Distracted. All these years. Come on, son. Let's go to the football field. Let's go to the baseball field. Hours and hours and hours. Let me teach you how to hold a bat. Let me teach you how to pitch the ball. Let me teach you how to dribble. And the whole time. I never taught him about Jesus. Distracted. Life has taught us to put the cart before the horse. But not anymore. Holy Spirit, fill the place. Hallelujah. Fill the room, Lord God. Fill us, Lord God, from the inside out. We open up our, our hearts to you this morning and we say, Lord, pour, pour, pour. Fill us, Lord God. Peel us like an onion, Lord God. Mold us, shape us, and make us, Lord God, that we might know the path 
of our life that we might know how to glorify you here in the earth. Come on, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. You can stand right now and just lift your hands and lift your voice and begin to talk to the Lord and tell him, say, Lord, I need to be filled. Lord God, I want to be obedient, completely obedient to you, Lord God. I don't want to be how I am anymore, Lord God. I want to submit myself, Lord God, to your will and to your way. Somebody in this church needs to cry out right now. Lord, fill me, Lord God, from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. I want to be filled by you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That fight, that fight, that fight, that fight that you've been fighting, it becomes doable under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, you keep running into a brick wall. You keep going around in circles. You keep making life hard. But God said, if you'll allow my spirit to fill you from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, I will guide your footsteps. He said, take upon me my yoke. My yoke is easy. I want to fill you. I want Somebody needs to cry out in the sanctuary. Lord, fill me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, right here in this moment, underneath this word, I believe that God's going to give you an alignment. Hallelujah. You've been thinking about the education. You've been thinking about the money. You've been thinking about the relationship. Your mind has been off-centered. But God said, if you'll go ahead and put your mind on me, all of these things I will add unto you. But I need you focused. I need you to look up towards me. Come on. I know there's evil all around you. I know they're gnashing their teeth. I know there's darkness. But focus on me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Focus on me. Focus on me. Focus on me. If you put your eye, your eyes on the light of God's glory, the glow of God will cause everything else to pale in comparison to his glory. Focus on him. Come on, I need you to close your eyes, church, and I need you to see the light of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Walk. Walk. Walk, walk, walk in your mind right now for the glory of God. Walk in your mind right now for the glory of God. Walk and refuse to be distracted. I want you to see in your mind right now that, that parade horse. And there's distractions on both sides of the street to that horse. But now I want you to notice that horse's eyes. And the owner of the horse put blinders on both sides of his eyes. Why are those blinders there? That he might not be distracted by the people on the side calling and yelling and screaming and pointing. That horse remains calm. Reaches the end of the parade because he had his blinders on. Put your blinders on in the spirit. I live to glorify you, God. And finally, throughout this altar call, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt, like Stephen says, you can kill my body, but you can't take my spirit away from me. You can gnash your teeth. You can make all the threats you want. But for God, I live and for God, I die. And I already know how this thing's going to end. For I can see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but when the doctor gives you the report that you don't want to hear, I need you to see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. When they call you down from the police station about your children, I need you to see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. When you get the pink slip from the job and they say we're closing it down, I need you not to waver. I need you to see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. When that person you love so much walks out of your life and says you are no longer a part of where I'm going, I need you to see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how. Church, we live underneath the open heaven. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. No distractions. Seeing Jesus standing at the right hand. Thank you, Lord, that everybody under the sound of my voice is living underneath the open heaven. Nothing missing, nothing broken from your life. Let the church say amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this service at the assembly. We hope that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with God. If you responded to the message, will you take just a few moments to fill out a response card in the chat so that we can celebrate with you? If you would like to give to what God is doing through the assembly, you can do so in three ways. First, you can give online at theassemblyflorence.org. If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button in the top right-hand corner. If you're on a smartphone or a tablet, click on the plus button in the top right-hand corner and then the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform where you can then set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift and even designate the fund that you would like your giving to go to. You can also give by sending a text message to the phone number 833-729-2238 with a message that says SC Assembly Give. It's all one word together. You'll then receive a text message with instructions on how to move forward. You can also mail check or money order written out to the assembly to The Assembly 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina 29501. Thank you and have a great week. Make sure you check us out for Power Up with Pastor Andrew on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. And times of refreshing at the assembly on Wednesday at 7 p.m. God bless, and we'll see you next time here at the assembly.